theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. I want to go ahead and jump right on into the word of the Lord, but I do want to encourage you and let you know that I'm going to speak a blessing over you today. I believe that blessing is going to empower you, and I'm asking just for the next 30 minutes, if you'll allow me to speak into your life, I want you to join with me in prayer, and when we pray, I want you to join with me in great expectation. I want you to to know and I want you to listen for the heart of God. I believe that we'll be stirred by his spirit to believe that he wants to do more in us and more importantly, through us. Praise God. Would you help me pray? Father, we love you. We release the gift of faith right now in this house and for every home that is watching. I pray for a fresh anointing to rest upon your servant, God. Help me to teach and to preach your word with relevancy and with accuracy, O God. Open the heart of every hearer. Let your word speak to us clearly, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that you confirm your word with miracles, signs, and wonders. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? Amen. And if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, open that up to the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah beginning at chapter 1, and we're actually going to start right there. Chapter 1, verse 1. For the last little bit, we've been talking about uh, this is the year of alignment at Extraordinary Church. And uh, we declared that a few weeks back. And last week we talked about uh, really, uh, or the week after that, we talked about our having a cross that aligns and then having our heart aligned with his. And today, I want to talk with you about aligning my purpose with his. Aligning my purpose with his. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 out of the New Living reads, These are the... Memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in late autumn in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had uh, returned there from captivity and how and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace or despair. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And again, I want to talk to you about aligning my purpose with his. If you're here, you can be seated. If you're there and you're standing, you can be seated. You probably already are. So just uh, stick with us for a little bit here. If you are the best of the best, if you are the brightest in your class, if you're the star athlete, if you're the stud, if you are the leader of all things, I want you to know that God can still use you. (laughs) I promise he can. It's, It's just that our God specializes in using very ordinary, everyday people. 
And today, this message is for those who believe deep down that you're created for something more. You were born for a purpose, created by God to do something eternal, something that matters and something that lasts. Today, if you're open to what the Spirit of the Lord is going to speak to you, I believe that God will speak very clearly and directly to some of you. I believe that he'll give you the faith in addition to step out and do something that outlasts you. But I want you to understand, I, I, just, I do have to, I have an obligation, if you will, I have to communicate this, that when God uses you, it always comes with a cost. When you take a step of faith, step of faith, excuse me, to do something significant, it's very likely that you're going to pay a price greater than you can imagine. I must warn you, you're very likely to experience pain, agony, rejection, heartache, failure. Yeah, you know what? Now, every now and then, even loneliness, doubt, occasional bouts of discouragement. There are times that you may indeed stand alone. People might even mock you, scoff at you, misunderstand you, make fun of you. But when your sacrifices impact another life and give God glory, you'll never think about the price that you paid. Because of your faithfulness, God will be honored and people will be different. You might look like an everyday, ordinary person. You may not feel exceptionally gifted or talented, but you are the exact type of person that God is interested in using. As a matter of fact, you are the exact type of person that God loves to use. And Nehemiah is an ordinary guy. His heart, though, had been broken for the plight of his people. He looked and gazed upon their situation and decided, I, I cannot sit by and do nothing. Somebody has to do something, and if somebody's going to do something, it might as well be me. The thing that I love about Nehemiah, he's one of the more captivating leaders, if you will. His story is inspirational, and he kind of goes from an ordinary individual to making an extraordinary difference. The thing that I like about Nehemiah, he's not a priest, he's not a prophet, he wasn't a king, if you will, he wasn't a warrior, he was an ordinary person that heard about something that broke his heart, that crushed his spirit to a point where he had to do something about this. He was compelled, not, not even compelled, impelled is probably a better word, to make a difference in the world around him. If you didn't know what Nehemiah did for a living, he was a cupbearer. And I'm going to tell you about what the cupbearer did here in just a moment, but he was a cupbearer to the king of Persia. And you might be wondering, well, what in the world? Let's get back to the cupbearer. I want to know what a cupbearer is. Really, in today's 21st century language, a cupbearer is probably more like a butler. A butler, okay? To kind of give you some context, if you will. But... Uh, like you would expect or anticipate, this cupbearer had a, also a unique role in particular. He had the heart of the king, if you will. He had access to the king. He had a confidential relationship with the king. The cupbearer had to be a man of integrity or an individual of integrity because he would hear things that not everybody else would hear. I'm sure he had probably been privy to some military strategies that were perhaps at least being mused upon or if not, they were getting ready to be executed. 
I'm sure he heard of some conversations where, you know what? Yeah, so-and-so, the king ain't pleased. And, uh, and they about to lose their life. He had to keep that to himself. But there was something else that was unique about the cupbearer. As you can imagine, just like we have today, even though uh, we don't necessarily experience it as much in North America, governments are overthrown all the time around the globe. And as you would imagine, this was no different in that day. The government could potentially be overthrown. And so if there was a plot to assassinate the king, and they were trying to do so creatively through food, then guess what? The cupbearer would be the one who would be willing to put himself in harm's way for the king. This is Nehemiah. Now, <laughs> I mean, on a side note, side note, yeah, anyway, just a little inside joke with the wife and I, praise God. Kind of, but on a side note, I was just thinking, man, well, what's the life insurance policy on, 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 on a job like that? Praise God. Anyway, not, Nehemiah was an ordinary person, not in a role of status, hear me, but in the role of a servant, attending to the needs of the king. One day, Nehemiah had just an ordinary day, the kind of day like maybe today, just an ordinary day. He hears a conversation from someone, I want you to hear me, that moves him from one place to a place he had never been before. This conversation that Nehemiah had moved him into alignment with God's will for his life. Here's how the story goes. I read it to you a few moments ago, but uh, he opens up and says, these are the writings of Nehemiah, and he cites the time. And then he says, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. He understands and learns of the faith. Nehemiah questions his brother and says, what's going on with the remnant of Jerusalem? What's going on with the remnant of Israel that survived in exile? So here they are having this conversation, and his brother tells him. His brother tells him about the people of his homeland. And why is he asking all of this? If you don't know, for about 140 years before this moment takes place, the Babylonians have been ruling and dominating the people of God. Nebuchadnezzar comes in and snatches everything up and literally just destroys everything. Abolishes, if you will, their way of life, their culture. Uh, it's very difficult to describe the impact that these people, the Babylonians, had upon the people of God. You think about Solomon's temple, utterly destroyed. Utterly destroyed. Gone, wiped away, burned to the ground. Every building was in rubble. The gates to the city, which formed protection, were burned. Almost everyone they knew was now without a job, without any kind of hope. The Babylonians had taken these people captive, taken them away from their homeland. They were in bondage for a long time. As you can imagine, these people were demoralized. They felt hopeless. What are we going to do? We have no homeland. Our life is over. Decades later, decades later, 50,000 Jews or so are moved back to Jerusalem to rebuild. And we're going to rebuild the city that we love, our homeland. We're going to try to make a better future. 
The problem is they couldn't get things moving. You ever felt that way before? You're kind of trying to get things moving. You feel like maybe your, your feet are in the mud, if you will. And eventually they found themselves stalled and everything had come to a complete end. And those, though, who were in exile, those who had survived the exile are back in the province. And they're in great trouble. They're distressed, if you will. Why? Because the walls of Jerusalem have been broken down and its gates burned with fire. In other words, with no wall, no gates, there's absolutely no protection from outside forces that would surely be attacking. It was impossible to rebuild. There's no jobs. There's no economic system. There's no leadership. There's no direction. There's no confidence. And with no protection, there's no plan. Therefore, there is no hope whatsoever. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you see something that breaks your heart and you know there is a good work that needs to be done and you think perhaps you're supposed to be a part of that good work? What do you do when you see something that bothers you so deeply and you can't take it anymore? The first thing I think we all need to understand is, the first point I want to put in your spirit as we get ready to wrap this series up is, you need to believe that you have purpose. You need to believe that you have purpose. I need those that are watching to believe that you have purpose. This is the moment. I believe that at this moment, Nehemiah begins to get his mind around that he has a purpose in life. That God has him there for this exact moment. You need to believe that you have purpose. If you don't believe that you have purpose, I'm telling you in love, you'll find yourself meandering through life. You'll find yourself wandering through life. But God did not call you to meander and God did not call you to wander. Wander. God has called you with a purpose. I want you to think about that. Do you realize that that's the number one question most people have in this life? Really deep down in all of our hearts, they want to know, what's my purpose? We talked a little bit about your purpose yesterday in Growth Track. What's the purpose? Can you, if you go to any library, if you go to Chapters, if you go to uh, Barnes & Noble, if you go to Amazon, do you realize how many books there are on purpose Please, I need you to understand, God is a purposeful God. He is not a purposeless God. Everything he has created has a purpose. God didn't create anything without a purpose. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. When you look at everything God created, God created the trees with purpose. God created the animals with purpose. And God created you and I with purpose. Praise God. I asked Pastor Mateo to, to make a, a run for me and to, and to go to the store because there was something that puzzled me and I thought this would be a great illustration. So I want you all, I want you to take a look at this and, and looking at it, I want you to help me figure out exactly the purpose. Praise God. Now, I've got some hypotheses as to what this could be. I'll, okay, I'll just, well, by the way, it is brand new. 
At least I think it is. <laughs> you know, I wonder, I bet you we could use this as a ring toss. Ring toss. Or, you know what? <laughs> if I flipped it upside down and held it like this and I filled it up with water, I bet you a hummingbird could use it as a bath. I got a better idea. It could be a giant cookie cutter. Yeah, I better stop before I get in trouble. Okay, we know what this is. It's a plunger. Somebody had asked me, they said, oh, you have a gift for me. I thought, I thought, do you want this? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said, give it to her. They, 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 know, they know this individual needs it, praise God. Okay, we understand it's a plunger. <laughs> Oh, if I could just see their face, the mask, the mask, anyway. But you can look at it and see that the designer had a specific purpose in mind. Listen to me. The designer had a specific purpose in mind for you when he designed you. The question is, what do you look like in the spirit? See, here's what you have to figure out. What do you look like? If you're not careful, you'll look and only see what you see in the natural, but you have to see through eyes of faith. I'm trying to help somebody right now. Stop looking at the reflection in the mirror. I'm not saying ignore it, but you don't let that dictate to you your purpose. I'm telling you what you see in the natural is too small to contain what God wants to do with you. You need to see how you're outfitted in the spirit. And today I'm declaring you are coming into alignment and you will no longer walk. I'm telling you, you're going to come into alignment with the purpose that God has for your life. You need to realize he created you. He designed you for a specific purpose. Stop looking at what the academics say about you. Stop looking at what the doctors say about you. Stop considering what your family says about you and realize what you are in the spirit. You are a tool of the... You are a tool of the Most High King. You are his beloved. You are his child who is after his own heart, mightily used of him. Praise God. What do you look like in the spirit? As a matter of fact, something that I felt as I was just kind of writing this and working on this this morning, I felt like there's some people out there right now that are running. They're running and you're frustrated. I need to reach for you for just a moment. The reason why you're frustrated is because you're not in alignment with the purpose God has for you. And you know it. You've been running. You've been ducking. You've been dodging. You've been trying to put it off. I need you to hear me. You need to stop putting it off. You need to stop talking about what you will and you won't do. You need to stop talking about, oh, that's not me. The devil is a liar. That is you. The moment you begin to get in alignment with what God has for you, you're going to feel light. You're going to feel free. And you'll no longer be running but if you keep running you'll be miserable but I'm calling you out of that misery I'm calling you out of that place where you're trying to escape the will of God the plans that God has for you are good to prosper you to keep you to sustain you and to use you mightily submit to his lordship say yes to his will and watch God do something magnificent in your life so the first thing that you have to do is you have to believe that you have purpose 
I need you to get this. You need to put that in your phone. You need to shout that out to yourself, my God. You need to believe you have purpose. Come on, say it. I have purpose. I have purpose. I've got purpose. That's what the enemy wants you to think. You have no purpose. That's why some of us get up and wondering what we're going to do. I'm done with that. God has called you for such a time as this. You have purpose. Second thing that we need to do, though, when we want to come into alignment, we want our purpose to come into alignment with his. We need to sit down and we need to weep. Look at verse four of chapter one, Nehemiah. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. See, you sit down and let whatever it is, whatever the injustice the world is going through, let that break your heart. See, what was happening crushed Nehemiah. It broke his heart. And what's so interesting is when you think about this, Nehemiah, when he heard this, he was about a thousand miles away from his homeland. He was actually living a pretty good life, remarkably comfortable, if you will, a remarkably comfortable life. He was living in the king's palace. <laughs> I mean, if, 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 there, if you want to talk about comfort, it doesn't get more comfortable than that. Nehemiah is living a completely comfortable life, but at that moment, Nehemiah had a choice. He could kind of acknowledge the plight of his people and be like, oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry to hear that. I feel really bad for them as a matter of fact. But my life is, my life is good. My life is cool. Or he could choose to let the pain in. Not just in his head, but in his heart. To the point where it bothered him. Stirred him. Gave him a burden. Gave him an ache in his soul. See, when he heard the news, he didn't do what's so easy to do. Brush it off. Sit down. He broke down and started to cry. What breaks your heart? What is it that burdens you? What is it that creates this righteous anger on behalf of God? This isn't right. I'm not going to allow this to happen on my watch. What is it that crushes your spirit when you look at some injustice, perhaps to a group of people in need in this world? Why doesn't somebody do something about this? What is that that breaks your heart? Maybe, maybe for you, it's the plight of hurting children. Maybe it's those who have been bullied or neglected. Maybe they've been abused. Maybe it's those who are bound by addictions, hostage to drugs, pornography, and you want them to experience freedom. Maybe it's those who are homeless and your heart breaks when you see people who, who can't make ends meet and you want to do something about it. Maybe it's about those that are, are, are being trafficked, if you will, and being abducted and drugged and sold into prostitution. Maybe it's those who are impoverished and don't have clean drinking water. Maybe it's kids dying needless deaths because they don't have medicine of just r r rudimentary technology, if you will. 
Maybe you feel called to speak on behalf of the unborn. Someone needs to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. But what is it that breaks your heart? What is it that burdens your soul? I'll tell you a few things that break my heart. I'll tell you, you know what? God called me at the beginning early on in my ministry. He said, you know what? I'm going to use you to bridge the gap between races and cultures. We are very passionate about experiencing a diversity in the local church. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. There is no such thing. Let me just burst your bubble right now. There's no such thing as a black church. There's no such thing as a white church. There's no such thing as a brown church. It is the church of the living God. And that's why everybody is welcome here. Brown people are welcome here. Black people are welcome here. White people are welcome here. Red people are welcome here. Young people are welcome here. Old people are welcome here. Everybody is welcome here. We will be that church, that city set on a hill that cannot be hid. They will. We already have almost 30 different ethnicities that are part of Extraordinary Church, and we're just getting started. We have room for everybody, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue. Why? Because that's what heaven will look like. You will not be able to number the multitude who will worship the great I Am. That's what will reflect the kingdom of God breaks my heart breaks my heart living in one of the most diverse cities in all the world to know that there's segregated experiences and people go to exclusively one monoethnic church that's not the will of god it's not the will of god something else that breaks my heart is a lack of authenticity in christianity I know what it's like to suffocate under the weight of plasticosalism. I know what it's like to have the joy snuffed out of you because you're faking everybody out and you're just trying to come up for breath, hoping you'll breathe again, hoping you'll feel his presence again. I know what it's like to try to fake everybody out and everybody thank you on fire for Jesus Christ, yet you're dying on the inside. I know what it's like to be ridiculed by a bunch of Pharisees. That's why I can't stand that Pharisaical attitude and spirit. I will not allow, I will not allow. I pray it up out of here all the time. I will not allow people to look down on others in a condescending way to think that you're something special. If it weren't but the grace of God, if it weren't but the blood that he shed for you and I, none of us would be here. Such were some of you. Some of you used to be drug addicts. Some of you used to be have homosexual thoughts or maybe crossed over on the other side. Some of you... You can act like you don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you, you were the ones that used to be bound. You, you, you were the ones that used to be on drugs. But God, who is rich in mercy, picked you up out your mess and helped you. We won't look down on people here at EC. We'll love you. We'll encourage you. And when you're down, you know what we'll do? We'll get down on our knees and get up and pray with you. We'll encourage you. We'll humble ourselves and consider ourselves because had it not been for the grace of God, where would I be? I'm interested in authenticity. I'm not interested in some type of culture that is religious and ritualistic, if you will. 
sickens me. I, I just, I'm not mad at anybody, but I have to kind of check myself. It grieves me that much. I'm not interested in something fake or fraudulent. I'm interested in doing life with people who will be authentic and transparent and say, man, you know what? Yeah, I'm struggling. You know what? Because the reality of it is when we read the word of God, all of these ordinary people had ordinary struggles. Even James tells us that Elijah was a man who had similar like passions and dilemmas and complexities within his human nature. Can I tell you, humanity is humanity. There is no such thing as the quote unquote perfect church. And if you find it, don't join it, you'll ruin it. You'll ruin it. But we are not a country club. We are not a country club. We are not the little community center. Mm, 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 mm. We're not a little club that can get together and play bingo and do, no, no, no. We're the church. And we're the church of the living God. Jesus Christ is the head of this thing and everybody is welcome. Praise God. I'm not discounting anybody. I'm telling you right now, if you're a part of EC, God wants to use you in great ways and you're about to come into alignment with this purpose. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. God is raising up some Davids in this place. People that have been overlooked. People that have been discounted and God is saying, I'm fixing to use you. I'm fixing to do great things through your life. I'm telling you, there's a David. Praise God. Praise God. Something else that breaks my heart. I could do this all day, unfortunately. But I want an environment that's safe and loving. Praise God. I want us to be genuinely excited when we see people. You know what? They come in looking sharp. I want us to be excited to see them. If they come in looking broke, busted, and disgusted, I want us to be excited to see them. I don't want them to have to look around and be like, I can remember, I didn't grow up in faith in Christ. And so I remember one time I came into church, I was, I was all, when I found out Jesus was real, I was like, what? Nothing was stopping me. The first youth camp I went to, which like if you don't know what a youth camp is, uh, I was right at that age. I was right at the north of that age. But it's a bunch of young people get together, uh, and most of them are passionate for Jesus Christ. And I was like, you know, going, and I had kind of gone with a few, just a few other kids. And they were like, oh, I'm about to see this girl. I'm about to see this girl. That girl. I was like, man, I'm trying to see angels. I was like, oh, I ain't, I ain't got no time for all that. I was like, I done been there, done that. that please. I was like, I done found out what's real. I need Jesus in my life. But I can remember I showed up one day to church and I was, I was, I was wearing some flip-flops. I was wearing some flip-flops and I think I had a tank, tank, tank top on and some shorts. And I came in and I was like, man, I come out the car. I was like, man, I was glad when they said I was ready. I was ready to worship. I was like, man, I can't wait to get into the presence of the Lord. And the moment I had walked in, I ain't going to call the man's name out, but I remember it. I'll never forget it. He said, oh, you're not, you're not coming in there like this, are you? And I was like, like what? I was like, what is he talking about? He could, I guess he could see it on my face. He said, look at you. You got flip-flops on. He said, at least put some socks on. I said, socks with flip-flops? I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But you know what? That Pharisaical attitude. 
thank God I didn't allow it to deter me from getting what I needed. But that day it plagued me. I was so insecure. I went in wanting to worship God with everything that I had. And the next thing I know, I was like, am I not dressed right? Am I not doing something right? That's what I was consumed with as opposed to being consumed with pursuing Jesus Christ. That's why we don't have a dress code here at EC. If you want to keep it real, can I just keep it? That's why I don't wear a tie. That's why I'm really not a suit guy. If you want to know, I'm not saying I hate it. You want to wear a tie, you wear a tie. But the dress code at EC is simple. Please wear some. Please wear some. That would be good. I want you to come. Why? I'm trying to create a culture that's safe and authentic where you can come as you are and experience what God wants to do in your life. My question is, and you want to know what's happening at EC? What you see is a reflection of the things that have broken my heart for almost 23 years. So my question is, what breaks yours? Let it in. Let it crush you. Let it move you. Let it move you to sit down and cry. Listen to me, I, I don't worry every now and then about someone or something that breaks my heart and moves me, to moves me to tears. But I worry when it's been a long time when that hasn't happened. I want my heart to be tender, to be broken by the things that break the heart of God. Whew. The next thing, the next thing we need to do after we sit down and weep, we need to fast and pray. Look at what Nehemiah does in verse 4. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Listen to me, extraordinary church. If it's big enough to cry about, it's big enough to pray about. Sometimes we just say the most insulting things to God. Like, well, all we can do now is pray. Can you imagine God <laughs> in heaven going, well, all you can do now is pray? You mean it's, it's, it's down to me now? All you have is me, the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God? Me, the all things are possible with me, God, and all you can do is pray? <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. God's like, there's just one of me. <laughs> there's nobody else like me when I'm on your side me plus you is always the majority when we go before the God of heaven we begin to pray the miraculous can happen look at what happens in Nehemiah's life look at what he says then I said oh Lord God of heaven the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commandments Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. Praise God. I confess. I confess we need that brokenness. So you see, Nehemiah realizes what's happening and he repents. I want our musicians to come. He repents. He says, God, I'll honor you. You know what? I'll honor you. He even goes before the king, and he's like, King, look, 
This is, he said, long live the king. That's what he says. Long live the king. He said, but I have to talk to you about something. He said, I'll, I'll always honor you, but I want to know if you'll give me permission to go back home. I want to rebuild something. You know, what you pray about reveals a lot about what you really believe about God. If you just pray, Lord, now I pray me, now I lay me down to sleep, pray, this, pray the Lord my soul to keep. If you just kind of praying, Lord, bless this food, bless my day, and that's kind of the extent of your prayer life, your prayers are too safe. You don't really, you don't really believe God is all powerful. Because if you did, you'd allow him to stretch you when you pray for the impossible. God, move in my life. God, do miracles. Do healing. Spark a revival within me. Use me to meet someone's needs. If you believe in the power and the glory of a good God, you would pray some prayers that would stretch you and begin to realize that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. You know, he prays all the time. He prays actually on 12 occasions that we have recorded in scripture. Even when he goes to talk to the king, he says, king, do you have a moment? And then he says, Lord, let him just, Lord, I pray that you're with me. And then he goes back to talk to the king. I mean, he's praying in the middle of a conversation with the king. He says, my people are hurting. The the walls are down. You know what he's doing? He's modeling spiritual leadership. So here's what we need to do. Point number four, simple. Just do it. Just do it. You know what? Listen to what Nehemiah does here. He goes on. If you read it in chapter two, he said, I I, got to move, King. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move gets to a point he says hey look we have a good work to do (laughs) let's be about a good work you can read it in chapter 2 verse 18 extraordinary church we have a good work to do let's do it let's do it let's do it hear me hear me the people of Mississauga and the greater Toronto area are hurting the walls of this community are down this city is exposed I can't sit around and do nothing somebody has got to do something it might as well be me it might as well be you somebody just do it make the decision without knowing all the details we don't have to know the how the when or the where somebody needs to do something it's going to be us I don't know who I'm trying to reach today. I'm trying to preach to somebody. What is it that bothers you? Maybe you've tried to keep it at a distance and you're not going to let it in. You're not going to feel the pain. You're not going to let it wreck you. You're not going to let the burden overwhelm you. And you're not going to sit down and ache and cry about it. And I'm telling you right now, you need to open up and let that pain in and go into your prayer closet, go into your prayer place, kneel down before the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of heaven, and say, God, break my heart with what breaks yours. Yours. 
you don't have to be appointed by man some of you are waiting on me well, I want Pastor Akil to call me and ask me to, to lead this e-group you don't have to be appointed by man if you're called by God you don't have to be chosen by people if God prompts your heart stirs your spirit and gives you a burden this is why this is why don't minimize don't minimize certain things you may think well man I'm just doing media no 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 you're helping us publish the gospel all throughout this place you may just think no I'm just I'm just I'm just a musician no you're shredding the atmosphere and you're declaring a prophetic song you may think no I'm just taking a Saturday out and uh, for an hour or so and working with kids and throwing powder or dust all over myself or flour all over myself I went in my wife's office last night it looked like a time bomb had gone off in that place but you know what kids are thinking about being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ as a matter of fact we've already scheduled one for Easter God is moving what is it that breaks your heart you may think social media is a small thing. I'll tell you, God is using social media at Extraordinary Church. You may think getting together in an e-group won't make a difference, but I'm telling you right now, when you love people and you encourage them and you connect with them, you're making a difference. So, just do it. Just do it. You might be thinking, well, I, I want my heart to align with God's. What do I do? And, and you might not, you might be brand new at all this. Can I tell you? You need to repent of your sins. And if you're thinking about it, let me explain to you in 10 seconds what repentance is. It's saying, I'm sorry, God, and I acknowledge I need you as a savior. And in as much as I'm able, I want to please you. That's it. Don't have it all figured out. Don't have all the answers, but I want to trust you. It's that simple. For somebody else, you might be like, man, I, I haven't, I, I, I know I need to be baptized. But just do it. 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 Just text the word baptism to 647-671-8439. Just do it. Just do it. You may be wondering, God, is this my moment? Do what I have. Could it really change the world? Let's find out. Just do it. Just do it. Come on. Right where you are. Why don't you just find a place where you can pray? The praise team is about to sing. Why don't you let God search your heart? Why don't you say, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Be what you always been. Give the listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.